Carrie and Natalia Mansmith know they want to be moms. They fantasize about baby clothes, cribs, tiny socks. Sometimes they scroll through TikTok or Instagram and fawn over other people's babies. Talking to them, it's almost like their future baby already exists. Well, first of all, let's refer to him as Bryson, okay? This is Carrie. He's had a name for a long time. He's had a name since before we've gotten engaged, I believe. And And that's her wife, Natalia. So Bryson E.J. Mansmith. You don't have to refer to him as that, but like this is how... Well, no, we'll refer refer to him as Bryson. Okay, (laughs) that's not weird. (laughs) Carrie and Natalia talk about this imaginary baby, Bryson, all the time. At the breakfast table, in the car, during dinner. But lately, these conversations are breaking down. Ending in angry silence or hurt feelings. Because there's this one little thing that they're not on the same page about. Go ahead, Carrie. You started first. We can't afford to have a kid. Carrie doesn't think they're making enough to have a baby yet. But Natalia doesn't want to let time slip away in case it becomes harder to get pregnant later. They're both nearly 30, which is the age fertility starts to decline. So this argument goes round and round. It's always a rotating conversation, and it's like, I get so exhausted sometimes because I'm like, I'm ready. But it just scares the heck out of me. It scares the wits out of me. This disagreement about how much money is enough money to bring a kid into the world, it never seems to get resolved. It's like Carrie and Natalia are in this holding pattern, spinning their wheels, then falling right back into a never-ending stalemate. And meanwhile, the biological clock keeps on ticking. I'm Eddie Mejres, and you're listening to This is Uncomfortable. This week, on our last episode of the season, we're bringing you another money fight. That's part of our ongoing series where I talk to two people about one of their biggest fights around money and how they dealt with it or didn't. The thing about money fights between couples is a lot of the time you can kind of see them coming. Like if one person grew up without money and the other person grew up with a lot of it. But sometimes money fights are harder to predict. And that's what intrigues us about today's story between Carrie and Natalia, two listeners who grew up with some amount of financial insecurity, yet ended up with two entirely different relationships to money. Differences which today are at the center of their stalemate and deciding to start a family. Before we get into Carrie and Natalia's money fight, it's worth going back a bit to when they first met. They were both student-athletes on the basketball team at a community college in California. And right away on the court, there was this chemistry between them. Like when they were doing drills and Carrie was trying to block Natalia. Natalia drove into the hoop every time. (laughs) She was quite the ball handler. Like, I'm telling you, she was so good. Like, 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Carrie wasn't out of the closet yet, but she was smitten with Natalia. She would try to chat her up, try to make her laugh. Natalia was sweet, kind-hearted. So she's still, like, to this day, she doesn't say any cuss words. Meanwhile, Natalia liked that Carrie was always cracking jokes and that she was tall. I think she's 5'11". Yeah, she's pretty and tall. And a half. And a half, sorry. and a half. 5'11 and a half. Put some respect on my name. <laughs> <laughs> and it's during this time, as they're getting to know each other, that they started to pick up on cues about each other's financial background. Like this one time when Carrie was at the grocery store... 
she spotted Natalia using a benefits card to buy food. It made me feel bad. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this girl is struggling. Carrie knew what a benefits card looked like because she'd relied on it as a kid. She was raised by a single mom struggling with addiction. They lived in a one-bedroom with a mini-fridge, a hot plate, and bunk beds. And Natalia had also grown up with some financial insecurity, sometimes leaning on relatives for support or housing. On some level, it's like there was this shared, unspoken understanding between them. And the romantic tension kept building. Until one day, right as they were walking out of practice, Carrie made the first move. We had these really deep steps. So we'd gone down the steps and I came and I grabbed her hand and I said, I want to hold your hand. And when she did grab my hand that day, like my stomach really did drop. Like I've never felt that in my life before. And I was like, oh, well, there we go. I'm in love at that point. (laughs) But I didn't want to tell her that because I thought I would be weird if I just said, I love you, like after she held my hand. They started to see a lot of each other, spending time together after practice, going out to eat, flirting. They weren't technically exclusive. But then one evening, Carrie got home from work. I walk in and she just has all these balloons all Mm -hmm. over the place. And they say things like, I love you. You're so important to me. You're so beautiful. Like all this stuff. And inside the balloons, like when you popped them, Mm -hmm. there were pairs of Victoria's Secret underwear. (laughs) Because I I love underwear. Like that's like one of my things. Yeah, there was other things besides underwear. That was what she noticed the most because that's what she loved. And then one of them said, will you be my girlfriend? And I said, yes, of course. By six months, they knew they wanted to spend their lives together. We were very much the stereotype. (laughs) U-Haul sponsor me. On June 19th, 2020, Natalia proposed to Carrie. She'd hired a photographer to hide and capture the moment. One year later, they got married on a vineyard across the street from Carrie's grandparents' house and moved in right next door to them. Carrie was working as an admin specialist in a hospital, steadily earning a bit more money. And Natalia had just started a nursing program that would put her on a path to a well-paid job. It seemed like everything was moving in the right direction. Natalia is the love of my life. Like, I feel like I had to search, like, through Mm. many lifetimes to find Natalia, and I'm not kidding. Our love, when it comes down to it, it's hands down the strongest thing that I've ever felt. But this is the moment, right as they're settling into Together Forever, that something started to shift. And it all began with the huge, yet oh-so-little thing they weren't talking about. The baby. They both knew they wanted this baby someday, but just had kind of skimmed over the details. We did what I want to say that couples shouldn't do. I think we put it off. We'll figure it out later, yeah. We'll figure it out later, exactly. To review, the gist of their impasse is this. Carrie doesn't think they're financially stable enough to give a kid a full, comfortable, risk-free life. She brings home about $80,000 a year before taxes, and Natalia makes about $30,000. They live in Central California, and they're getting a deal on rent since they live in a house owned by Carrie's grandparents. But even so, they don't have much in savings, and they've also got debt, about $50,000 from Natalia's student loans. You know, we're barely paying the interest. We're not touching the principal. Despite all of this, Natalia feels like they can provide everything a kid would actually need. Shelter, food, and most importantly, a lot of love. At first, 
bringing it up at all felt hot to the touch. So they tiptoed around the topic, walking on eggshells, putting it off and putting it off. After all, they'd just gotten married. Wasn't it too soon for a fight? They wanted to bask in the glow of the honeymoon phase just a little longer. But the thing about unspoken gripes is that often they'll eventually explode. And that's what happened between Carrie and Natalia. One day, a few months into being married, they were standing in the hallway of their house. Carrie was near the bedroom, Natalia near the guest room. And from each end of that hallway, they went at it. We can't afford to have a kid. You don't make enough money. You're not in a well, career. I'm going to get too old. And the longer that I wait, my eggs aren't going to be it's useful. It's not the financially sound thing to I do. I can go make it happen by myself. If I have to get a turkey baster, then give me one. And I will do I this. I will literally just leave you. That is just like a huge fear of mine. Coming home one day and there's a stick on the counter. She's like, guess what? After that fight, after having not talked about it for months, now it was coming up all the time, occupying all the space between them and not getting resolved. No matter which way they look at it, Carrie just feels like they need to make more money first and get out from under the student debt. Which raises the question, how much money is enough money for a baby anyway? Many financial experts would say, well, it depends. Depends on where you live, what kind of school you want to send your kid to how much you want to budget for childcare costs. The average cost of raising a kid in the U.S. is about $15,000 a year for most middle-income households. So most everyone agrees it's wise to have some money saved and a steady income, but you won't really find a universally agreed-upon number. Still, that has not stopped Carrie from coming up with one herself. Carrie, you have a cap on what when she wants to have a baby. She says we have to make... I want to say $115,000 to be able to have a child with our combined income. Hearing that, you might think Carrie sat down and meticulously came up with that $115,000 number, like she ran some calculations about cost of living or school tuition or property taxes. But... I don't know how I came up with this number exactly. I just know that when I was in high school, it was a big deal that my boyfriend's dad made $100,000. That mm. was like a big thing. He's like, well, my dad makes six figures. My dad makes $100,000. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that must be it. Like, that must be mm. the number you want to go for. Right now, Carrie and Natalia aren't actually that far off from Carrie's magic number. Their combined income comes out just 5000 bucks short of $115,000. But this number, $115K, it's pretty much based on a feeling, not a calculation. In fact, it might be easier if there was a math problem at the center of this. Then you analyze the numbers, tweak the calculation, and great, we resolved it. It can be so much harder to resolve a fight based on intuition. Carrie and Natalia have totally different feelings about money, which goes back to the baggage they each bring to their marriage. Even though both of them experienced financial insecurity as kids— The circumstances surrounding it were worlds apart. Here's Natalia. It was never about how much money we had. It was mostly about, like, the experiences that we did with each other and, like, the time and love that my parents gave to, like, me and my siblings. So I never really thought about money, per se, as, like, being a number that you have to reach in order to have a kid. Yes, your parents did love you. Your parents do love you. My family, (laughs) I remember a time when... 
we were on food stamps and my mother had bought something. And I said, oh, my mom bought X or whatever it was from the grocery store. And a member of my family said, she didn't buy it. My tax money bought it. That's not Mm. yours. That's mine. Hmm. And I don't ever want my child to feel like that. Carrie's relatives were better off than her and her mom. In fact, her grandparents actually paid for her college, which is why she managed to graduate without any debt. But growing up, Carrie says she and her mom were made to feel like a burden by their wealthier family. Every gesture of support came with this judgment. Like, how could you get yourself in this situation? My mother was so strung out, like highs and lows off of drugs, that it was to the point where I would go to school and people would be like, you smell, you know, and this is like in the second and third grade. And I remember saying to my mother, oh, well, you know, in Miss Jones' class today, they said I I smelled like cigarettes and she would just start screaming F-bombs at me. But Natalia's family, they always had each other's back. We didn't have a house at, at certain times, but our family all banded together. So that's when my grandma would say, you guys are coming to move with us. And they always made sure that the kids weren't feeling the brunt of it. We were more family-oriented. So that's why we disagree so much is because she grew up in a family that didn't really value that. What is it? like? Um, they, communal. My family was not communal. Yeah. We had different upbringings. You never had to worry about where your next meal was going to come from. No. And I think if until you understand that, which I'm very thankful that you never have had to understand that, It takes a lot more than, you know, hugs and kisses. For Natalia, her sense of safety and belonging wasn't solely attached to money. She knew she could count on family for that, even when cash was tight. But for Carrie, growing up without much family support, money became this god. Money was the thing that could get her and her future child everything she never had as a kid. Safety, security, dignity. So that's why I think to myself... I need to make so much money that my wife and my child will never have to wonder or worry. Because if her kid did wonder or worry, what if he wound up feeling the way she did about her mom? I just don't want my kid to hate me the way I hated my mother. This fear of slipping back into her past, it haunts Carrie, consuming her nearly every day. When she's driving or at the grocery store or when she's cooking, these thoughts fill her head. Am I going to be able to get Bryson name brand clothes that I wasn't able to get? Is Bryson going to be the only kid when he comes back from a summer vacation that can't raise his hand and say he went anywhere for the summer? Is Bryson going to have to ever worry about us not being able to pay the bills? And as the primary earner, Carrie's the one who earns $80,000 and Natalia makes thirty dollars she feels all this pressure to have every single base covered to pay for insurance, health care, all while chipping away at the debt and the bills. I, I'm afraid that if something were to happen to me, she can't take care of herself, let alone a, a child. What if Natalia suddenly found herself alone with a baby, a $30,000 income, and a pile of student debt? Natalia had been on a career path at her nursing program, but without getting into the weeds of it, she was dealt a stroke of bad luck and wasn't able to fulfill all the medical and health requirements. So she got kicked out. So that threw off my timeline on having my career, and now I have to change paths. It puts them in this agonizing holding pattern. Natalia is now trying a professional do-over to become a teacher, which is expensive and time-consuming. 
And on top of it all are the expenses that go with same-sex parenthood. IVF can cost tens of thousands of dollars. And adoption can cost up to 45000 or sometimes even more if you adopt outside of the U.S. So every week, they go back and forth, with Carrie being like, it's just too expensive. And I'm like, well, I don't care. I'm ready to have it anyways. But then we drop it. And then the next month, she's talking about it. Bryson is going to be so cute. And I'm like, yes, let's do this. And then the next- And we're looking at baby clothes. <laughs> and then we're looking at baby clothes. And she's looking on the donor list for, like, guys that look like her. And she's like, look- he would look just like me if we picked this donor. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah, let's do mm-hmm. it. And then, like, two weeks later, it's like, huh, but we're not making enough money. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, let me go out and just get pregnant already so it can be done with. Natalia gets frustrated because even though Carrie is the one resistant to having a baby, she's usually bringing up Bryson fantasies in the first place, only to backpedal later. Can we just not address him in the store like look at Bryson's gonna look so cute in these clothes because it hurts like it hurts me because it's like if we're not ready then we need to stop talking about it right now because it's making it harder than it already is. For Natalia it feels like the conversation is overly weighted toward just one part of the baby equation. When you're so focused on money you kind of forget to focus on the things that actually matter which are like relationships, family members, bonds with that you have with your friends, moments in time. And I feel like if you focus so much on money sometimes that that can get skewed. But I feel like there's so much more to life than just how much money you have in your pocket. So I'm curious um, when it comes to creating a family together, if you feel like the love would ever outweigh your anxieties around money. They might be equal. I don't know if they'd ever outweigh. Yeah. To me, I know that the love would outweigh anything because Mm -hmm. that's how I feel now. And Bryson is not even here. But I already love him as if I've known him forever. Carrie and Natalia have talked and talked and talked. But at this point, it feels like they're talking past each other. For now, they're just trying their best to keep on marching towards that $115,000 number, doing what they can to cut costs. Like Carrie stopped getting her nails done, which saves about $200 a month, and they're spending less money on gas by visiting Natalia's family less often. But during our conversation, I found myself wondering, so much of this is about memory and experience, more so than a magic number. Would any amount ever feel like enough? What would it take for them to get unstuck? And could we help? That's after the break. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. One of the things about money fights is they tend to sound kind of like a broken record. 
You bring up the same point, counterpoint, point, counterpoint, again and again, with what feels like no progress. Disrupting that pattern is hard. It often requires help and a willingness to be vulnerable and try something different. So on a Monday evening, we invited Carrie and Natalia to sit down for a Zoom call with someone who could maybe help them approach their money fight in a new way. Well, Natalia and Carrie, it's great to meet y'all. This is Wendy Wright. She's a licensed financial therapist based in Colorado. And I should say, whenever we invite a financial therapist on the show, I got to stress that this is not true therapy. Therapy is private and usually happens over many sessions. But Carrie and Natalia were very down to speak with Wendy on the record for this episode. I'll just ask, how are you, what feelings are coming up right now, even as you're just entering this topic? Do you notice any feelings pop, bubbling up? I'm hot and I'm sweaty and clammy. And okay. it's, uh, it's uncomfortable, for yeah. sure. So helpful to name. Yeah, Natalia, what about you? Anything you're noticing? Um, I would say, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, just kind of stuck. For this part of the episode, we're going to share three tools that Wendy often uses with her clients. Tools that, honestly, could be used for all sorts of difficult conversations, but that are especially helpful in getting unstuck with money. Okay, so tool number one. Wendy says that one way to get to the bottom of our relationship with money is actually to try to take out the money language completely. Like, no money words at all. In Carrie's case, no mention of the $115,000 benchmark. So let's take that number right now, that number that feels really powerful, the 115. Without using that word, what are you wanting to carve out? What does that number mean to you? That number means that my child will be able to go to school and not have student debt. My child never having to decide, I want to invite three friends to my birthday party, but I'm going to have to hear about my mom not being able to feed us later. That's what that means for me. It sounds like it's connected to safety, security, protection, giving someone the nurture you want. Wendy explained to Carrie that that number, 115,000, it's less about what the money could actually buy and more about the power Carrie assigns it symbolically. Even though right now the number has the power, that number is always going to be changing and evolving anyway. The second strategy Wendy suggested was to schedule regular timed sessions for Carrie and Natalia to talk about money. She calls these meetings money dates. What I find really helpful is to come into it with a very small, limited time um, and literally use your timer on the phone like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and have one or two topics that you want to have covered that day. I like that. I like the idea of having a time limit. I think that'd be great because I think you're right. It does tend to get to nowhere and then it turns into, but I'm still thinking about it or it's still just lingering. Mm -hmm. And then like the next day, if it happens again, it's like, here we go again. Yeah. What are you noticing, Carrie? I I was thinking the same thing in regards to the time because I do notice, like Natalia just said, if we start talking about it, it just goes and it goes and it goes and it goes. And next thing you know, we started this conversation while we were making dinner at five and I'm getting into bed at eight o'clock to get up to go to work at four. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, let me know when you're out of debt and then, you know, roll over, go to sleep kind of thing. Like just really sassy, really rude, Mm -hmm. really not productive. And that's the hardest part for me because we're not collaborating with each other at that point. 
Wendy says that when money has become a dreaded topic in a relationship, you need to reestablish trust that you and your partner are capable of talking about it and walking away feeling okay. That's why the timer is crucial. It helps remind both people that even if things get tense, they have an out and that they can take a breather before the next money date. It's important to set some goals for these talks and especially at the beginning to focus on some positive things. So sometimes those things can be like, okay, how did you feel about your paycheck this week? What did you like that you did at work that brought that paycheck to us? And she told him to make this date feel casual and light. Carrie liked that idea. We'll make it fun. We'll have like hot chocolate or something. We're not really big drinkers, so maybe we'll have like a charcuterie board or something. The third strategy Wendy suggested? Journaling. Not the kind you might be familiar with, like writing about things that already happened. She actually recommends journaling about scenarios that haven't happened yet. Here's an example. Carrie worries about how she'd react if Bryson walked up to her one day and asked her for money for a field trip. What if she gets anxious on the spot and makes him feel guilty? What if she feels like they can't afford it? Wendy told Carrie, Write out the script of how you want to handle that. And be detailed. I picture myself, I'm sitting at the kitchen table, I was drinking a cup of tea, and they came in and they said, hey, I need $5 for a field trip. My first thought was, oh no, I don't know where it's going to come from. And I took a breath and I said, okay, let me work on that. Or like, you know, kind of give What Wendy's having them do is edit the current story by imagining a different one. Um, I often will say we want to name the story you want your money to tell. And right now, right now you've got this $115,000 in your head and the story you're wanting it to tell is things can be good and calm and nurturing and all this. So we're just expanding that. I think that's a great idea. Actually just, yeah, because actually when you were saying that, it made me remember that, okay, you're going to be the parent. Mm -hmm. Like, I think because a lot of times I think back to my parents and I think that my parents... Not that they're actually going to be raising our child, but that because what they did, I should do. I think it'd be interesting to see how we would parent without parenting yet, or Mm -hmm. like what would happen in those kind of situations when it came down to money, or maybe even just seeing like the differences and what we come up with as a response might be pretty interesting. Wendy says the thinking behind this is to help people remember that they do have agency in their life. And just the act of recognizing that can make these conversations more expansive and less charged. Their chat with Wendy lasted about 45 minutes. Thank you, Wendy. Yeah, lovely to meet you all. Lovely to meet you. Bye. A few weeks after the session, Carrie and Natalia were already trying out some of Wendy's strategies, including timed money dates. Okay. Starting the timer. Seven minutes. Starting the timer. Seven minutes. Go. Go. Okay. It is about 6.45 p.m. We just finished having some mom Chinese food for... On their kitchen calendar, Carrie has marked one day each week as a money date night, or as they like to call it, a money makeout. I'm hoping one day it actually ends up in a makeout, but we'll see. Probably not. (laughs) They know that to move forward, they'll have to be intentional about finding new ways to really hear each other with compassion and work through the financial anxieties. Even small ones, like monthly bills. $250, that's a lot. It is, but 
going forward, I think that we just need to compromise a little bit when it comes to the heater and the air conditioner. I mean, I can work more hours. Well, I feel like, no, I feel like what we can do is because you did put a lot in the savings this time. Like I already took it out. Oh, you did for what? For gas. Oh, I didn't know that. Now this bill is just looming over my head. And I have, I'm going to have anxiety about it. Because I just got paid on Thursday. I busted out a bunch of bills. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Like, it's understandable, but at the same time, you can't beat yourself up for something, especially if you can't change it now. So we just have to move <coughs> forward, you know? We're Luckily, we are going to be able to have the funds to pay for it this time. Like, now we're aware. Of course, this money makeout session wasn't earth-shattering, wasn't meant to be. But they at least got through the seven minutes talking about their finances without any tension or hurt feelings, which felt like progress. I also keep thinking about what Wendy said, how they'll basically have to start reimagining a different future, one rooted in hope instead of fear. It's something they both desperately want. But they know to do that and to reach their ultimate goal of having a baby, that first, it might mean taking some baby steps. that is all for our show this week and like i mentioned at the top this is also the end of our season we'll be back with new episodes this fall in the meantime if you also want to share your story or if you have any thoughts about the show you can always email us at uncomfortable at marketplace.org this episode was lead produced by camila Kerwin and hosted by me rima grace and i got production support from Marque green phoebe unterman and peter balanon rosen our senior producer is Zoe Saunders. Our editor is Karen Duffin. Marquet Green is our digital producer with help from Tony Wagner. Sound design and audio engineering by Drew Jostad. Donna Tam is the executive director of On Demand. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, I'll catch y'all later this year. If I have to get a turkey baster, then give me one, and I will do this. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.